0: beyond excited to announce that I have partnered up with Magimix for this season of Crazy Sexy Food. As the inventor of the food processor, Magimix is a family-owned business that has an amazing reputation as makers of quality kitchen appliances and are cherished and adored all around the world by both chefs and home cooks alike. I remember growing up and always seeing my mum's beloved Magimix on her countertop and the utter ease of how she used it. Fast forward to today and my beautiful Magimix cook expert is literally the most used appliance in my kitchen. This latest innovation is both a food processor and multi-cooker in one machine. It's a game changer for me and it's such a dream to use. I think of it as my personal sous chef. I give it all the hard work to get on with so I can focus on more interesting jobs like tasting, flavouring and serving up delicious meals. And don't even get me started on their ice cream machine, the gelato expert. It makes ice cream to rival even the best Italian delicacies. Oh, and if that isn't enough, come September, they're launching a new range of blenders. Fancy getting your hands on one of their products? Then use my code CSFMAGIMIX for a 15% discount at magimix.co.uk follow MagiMix UK on social, download their brilliant app for hundreds of delicious recipe ideas and see how the amazing MagiMix can become your personal sous chef in your kitchen too. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food podcast. I'm your host Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs, and people who just love their food to find out all about their life, career, and their favorite tastes along the way. Today, I'm joined by my first ever couple. This is too exciting. And they're not just any couple. They are indeed Sophie ellis Baxter and Richard Jones. These musical superstars have been in the industry for many years, with Sophie providing us with top tunes such as Take Me Home, Groove Jet, and my all-time favourite, Murder on the Dance Floor. And Richard, who has been a part of the award-winning band The Feeling, is best known for hits, "Sown," Fill My Little World, and Never Be Lonely. These two just aren't killing it in the music world, they're also parents to three children and helped us all through the dark depths of lockdown with their famous kitchen disco on Instagram. They have just released their first cookbook, Love Food Family, and I couldn't be more excited to have them on to talk all about it. Sophie and Richard, welcome to Crazy Sexy Food.
1: Thank you for having us, although I have to correct you on something, we've actually got five Uh kids.
0: Oh my gosh, how did I get that so wrong?
1: (laughs) All right. I mean, I won't tell the children you missed a couple off, it's fine. I mean, I I I miss counting them myself, so don't worry about it. Oh
0: my gosh, that's hilarious. I might might have to re-record that, because that's just like the worst. Don't worry about it. it. Just put some
1: children. I feel like after
0: three, you definitely lose count. (laughs) So first of all, how are you guys? Thank you so much for joining me, and you are my first couple. I can't believe it's taken you know seven seasons to get here, but here we are.
1: Or maybe now you're going to be like, actually interviewing couples quite hard work. <laughs> so let's see. But we'll try, <laughs> try and make it a very pleasant first experience.
0: I'm sure it'll be fine. You guys have both been incredibly busy. Richard, um, the band is back together, so to speak. How does it feel? You've got a new album out, new single, sort of you're back in the game and sort of on the trail. How is it?
2: Oh, it's been, well, it's been amazing actually because I think like a lot of people, we've spent... Um, a lot of time in the last two years creating music uh working on new records and so we actually finished recording the feeling album almost a year ago but we needed to wait until it was the right time Dan from the band wrote the everybody's talking about Jamie musical which um uh was made into a movie which came out in October and we were all, the whole band were involved in that soundtrack as well so we focused on that uh until now really and and finally brought out our album our new album lost hope love which we're yeah very very proud of it's um definitely we're getting back to the kind of roots of our influences all the things that we were listening to when we started out um so I think it's the closest to the sort of 12 stops and home era that we've we've come six albums later
0: and I guess how does it feel in like a pre uh pre sorry a post-covid world I mean is it just great? To, I mean, can imagine it just must feel so good to be back sort of performing in front of actual people.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, we just toured Sophie's tour together, Kitchen Disco tour, and it was really cathartic, wasn't it? It was, um, we did one off shows last year, but actually being on the road for a month and playing every night and being in different rooms with different, you know, hundreds of thousands of people every day was amazing.
1: Yeah, it was a really good atmosphere as well. it was really up for it. It was really warm. And yeah, I think everybody now at festivals and gigs is a lot more aware of the the sort of dynamic of the relationship and how significant it is for both sides that we're able to do that stuff.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I actually was recently at a couple concerts. It was so funny. So again, it's one of those things where you don't go out for like ages and then suddenly you have like two concerts in one week. Mm-hmm. And I actually felt quite emotional as being like one of the crowd to just be in that environment and you realize how much you've sort of missed that connection whether it be through music or theater or or just being around people in that way and sort of be like feeling connected it's just I mean honestly we've been lacking it so it's so great that you know you guys are sort of back on the road and Sophie you've just finished another album haven't you? recording an album
1: finishing yes so okay i've done the majority of the nuts and bolts of recording and then there's a few little extra bits to put on and then mixing and yeah it's been great i've loved it i love studio days they feel really good for the soul definitely
0: and we will come to the cookbook in a bit, but you have also both released this cookbook called Love, Food and Family. How the hell do you guys do all of this? So you've got five children, not three. <laughs> you've got both got obviously like your separate but also combined music careers. You've now got the cookbook. Like, what is the secret? <laughs> well, I think,
1: you know, we're lucky enough to do things that we love. And... Cooking and food is such a big part of our lives and our our story, really, in terms of, you know, how we got together, how we wooed one another. Um, we get very, both get very excited about what we're going to eat next, whether it be cooking for each other, having people over, you know, cooking for family or planning, you know, going and, and traveling and eating somewhere there. So uh, actually, the cookbook's been something we've wanted to do for a really long time. And it's just absolutely glorious to be able to put it all together. It's a massive treat, to be honest, definitely.
0: Mm, mm, super exciting. Um, t- speaking of wooing each other, what was the first meal you cooked for her, Richard?
2: I Was it the lobster casserole? Mm, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. nice. I've never, okay. i
2: literally never cooked lobster before, but um, <laughs> I thought I'd better up my game. You know? <laughs> I mean oh, listen, you're cooking a lobster me. casserole, you know you've like, got it
0: in the bag, right? I was
2: like, I've got to think <laughs> something. I don't have any idea why. I think it's because um Sophie had just moved into a flat in Notting Hill, uh, on Blenheim Crescent and uh and I so I was I just went I was in the local fishmonger on Goldborne Road. I know it well. Yes, great, yeah. I love that place. Love it there. And uh and I just didn't know what to do. And I just I was like <laughs> lobster. Lobster's gotta impress. <laughs> Posh. And I don't know why, <laughs> Why I think I just, I don't know why casserole, I mean, now I we actually, yeah, it's quite odd. Now we actually do lobster, <laughs> I cook lobster, you know, on a Valentine's Day. Um, there's, there's actually a page in our book, or Valentine's mm-hmm. Feast, because actually like, you know, cooking a lobster and grilling it with a little bit of garlic butter is really simple. Yeah. And lobster and chips and salad one of the great the greatest meals so so indulgent and tasty so I don't know why I didn't do that a casserole way more complicated
0: (laughs) (laughs) to be honest with you
2: (laughs) I never made it again
0: uh, yeah exactly but I mean had my husband cooked me a lobster casserole I would have been like I'd been like yeah sign seal, delivered it's sorted we're good
2: yeah (laughs) well now now we have an an 18 year old son (laughs) oh there we go (laughs) 17 years later. Hopefully he's not called Lobster.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sophie, what did you cook,
1: Richard? Do you remember? Well, my first meal I remember cooking for Richard is a little bit sneaky because um, when we got together, he was actually, um, he didn't eat any meat. He ate fish, but not meat. yeah.
2: yeah.
1: So I was like, I don't think that's going to work for me (laughs) because I really like eating everything. Um, so I thought maybe I could just slightly transition him from fish to just above the surface of the water. And I cooked him duck. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it did actually work.
2: Completely worked. <laughs> and it was weird how, because I've been pescatarian for I think like eight or nine years at that point, it was weird how there was there's sort of like, well, a duck sort of only
0: anyway. <laughs> so half,
2: halfway out the water. I
0: love that. It touches water, so is it meat? Who knows? Sort of stepping (laughs) me out of the
2: water back onto the land.
0: Yeah,
2: (laughs) completely.
0: He he was ready Sophie. I like that. It's
1: fine. (laughs) He wanted it really.
0: That's wicked. So I want to take it back to your childhoods a bit. Um, I'll start with you, Sophie. You were born and raised in London. Um, Richard, you were born, I believe, in Sussex. I guess for the both of you, I want to know what life was like growing up, but I want to know what was on the table. What were you eating? Who was cooking? How did food play a part sort of during your formative years? Sort of paint the picture.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose uh, like anyone who loves their food, a lot of my early memories are food related, uh, whether it be the birthday cakes my mum would make me or... Things that have got a slight controversy linked to them, like spaghetti bolognese. I say it's controversial because from the age of four, my parents were separated, and then um, by the time I was seven, they were both in relationships with the people who become my step parents, my stepmom, my stepdad, and both homes would make a lot of the same kind of food because I was, you know, I loved eating, and so they were always happy to feed me. But they both made versions of spaghetti bolognese, and I actually liked both. And I remember once sort of slightly telling my mum that I liked the one that my stepmom made as well and that didn't go down wow. brilliantly I know I think I was saying I like them both there's room in my heart for both but um, I know in, in real life I was lucky enough to be raised by lots of people who love food as well and cooked and would let me cook with them so from the time I was able I'd be chopping things up and looking at ingredients and tasting things and we'd spend a lot of time playing games about you know what would be my absolute dream meal, you know the starter, the main course the puddings so um I think I think if you've got a kid that likes eating, it tends to get nourished because it's actually really lovely seeing your kids eat a lot, and I definitely ate tons. I had a massive appetite as well,
0: <laughs> so tell me what do you what was the secret to the bolognese? Do you remember um I think my mum's one is quite a traditional one, actually in the cookbook Richard
1: and I have put two versions of bolognese in but don't worry they're not like my stepmom <laughs> or my mum they're actually his version and my version because now Richard okay. does one that's a little bit more slow cooking and yeah. I'm a bit more like you know I want to get it on the table within quick and easy yeah half an hour yeah so I think my one that is in the book is more like my mum so I guess that's okay that's where the, the heart went in the end but um but when I was growing up my stepmom's one had like, other vegetables in so I guess it was sort of more ragu style so she'd put in courgettes and carrots and that kind of thing but but that's not in the book and actually when my step saw the book for the first time the other day she said where's my spaghetti bolognese so clearly this this controversy still still lingers
0: that's for cookbook number two isn't it
1: <laughs> exactly
0: yeah. I'll start with it yeah and and what about you Richard sort of talk to me about your childhood and food
2: well my dad was a was a chef when I was a kid so um he he worked in a local golf hotel in Forest Row the Ashdown Forest Golf Hotel so yeah, my early childhood memories is a lot of kitchens going in. Uh when, you know, I think he was sort of I guess it was he was babysitting us by by taking us to work. But as kids we thought it was fun going to work with our dad. As my mum was a hairdresser, so she, she worked sort of worked in the local salon and, and did private stuff. But um yeah, so I remember being in like the like in the kitchen helping him chop up vegetables and doing washing up mainly. Um but even like when I was really young like 5 and 6 and there's there's a recipe we put in there actually called um Richard Pie on the Stairs Jones the reason being there was an order of uh uh steak and Guinness pie to the bar and I'd often take the bar orders down because I think they thought it was quite cute having this little kid coming down with all the <laughs> bar food and I tripped on the stairs and spilt the pie everywhere and all no. the locals thought this was hilarious and called me Richard Pie on the Stairs Jones from <laughs> then on
0: I love so that. So
2: that so that that had to go in the book. So yeah. I, I, my dad did. A, a, in, yeah, we involved him a bit in the book actually because he, he trained at the Cafe Royal in the '60s and had some amazing stories. Serving Tom Jones and the Beatles and oh, the Cray wow. twins used to go into the. They used to have boxing matches in their back, um, and and yeah, and he told told me a lot of different different recipes he used to make, like that one. And there's a vegetable uh, lasagna that he used to make when I was a kid, which is a, a bit of a it was a sort of childhood staple, which we put in there. Um, but yeah, no, so I I kind of grew up around that, but actually at home, my dad all basically never cooked because he was a chef. So my, my mum's cooking was the main thing, which was like proper old school, pretty much the same thing every each night of the week, you know, sort of chili on one night, bolognese on one night, uh, Kedgeri, we used to have sometimes. Oh
0: gosh, I used to have kedgeri. I don't <laughs> like kedgeri. Oh. It's weird. And, isn't it, it? and my mum still makes it sometimes. And that's the night that I will never go over to their house because <laughs> I'm just like, I can't do it. I don't know what it is.
2: There's so many options and recipes. <laughs> I know. Like, and the same, in the same way, my mother, mother still used dried herbs in that. Old oh wow, way. okay. Yeah. You know, I, I quite like actually, that. Which actually, I know that's the thing. And actually, when I when I go home for a roast, even though, you know, my dad has proper chef training, my mum's roast is really old school, you know, Bisto gravy yeah. and that stuff, which is really um, cosy. I like mm, it. Mm.
0: Do you know what? There's nothing like, like a home-cooked meal at your parents. You know what? I mean, a, a, a Kedgeri aside, it's yeah. just, there, there is something about... I don't know, like I've tried to recreate recipes that my mum cooks even to this day and they just never taste the same. I don't know what it is. It's like this like parental special ingredient Mm -hmm. that always goes in that you just can never like replicate. And so kind of like moving it towards what would then become your future careers. When you were both children, did you show signs from quite early ages that that was the sort of direction you wanted to go in?
1: Mm, I think for me, it was like... A mixture. Yeah, I, I think I think it was quite clear from early on that I, that I was investigating jobs that weren't like proper jobs, if you know what I mean. Mm. <laughs> I really wanted to act or write or, you know, I always got it was like little strands, but I didn't really discover that music would be the thing till I was 16 and I started singing in a band, um, which kind of happened by chance. And then it was like all the lines joined up and I suddenly, it made sense of everything and it was like oh i found it and i never really looked back actually it did just sort of it was quite a quite a moment for me really not, how old were you when you started getting to music
2: not until my not until my teens really i mean when i was a child i remember sitting like listening to my dad's vinyl on headphones and he used to, he had like all the all the early beatles albums and i used to, i listened to revolver mainly just round and round and all these motown collections um and i was obsessed with it, but that no one in my family was a musician, so I didn't have that, and there was no sort of industry link or nothing. So, I I didn't really have music lessons. And then by the time I got sort of thirteen, fourteen, I had some friends who were really good, and I felt like maybe it was too late to do it. Um, thirteen. Yeah. Well, no, because of by then, you know by... what?
0: When you're a teenager, you honestly feel like if you haven't done it by like the age of like ten, it's like
2: <laughs> yeah, no. That, and there were people Sorry. by then. There were people yeah. who seemed who seemed to be absolutely like grade eight virtuoso, incredible, <laughs> and I didn't have a clue. And then my mum actually she found um, a teacher uh, who was a guitar teacher, but he he um, had a different way of teaching. So rather than kind of traditionally sort of teaching the dots and the score and to read music from scratch he just taught people to play songs they liked and oh, wow and that I I guess that was life-changing because I went along to to be taught by him and he just said right what do you like and I was listening to whatever was you know around I guess it's like 1991 so it was you know bands like Nirvana and um, Guns and Roses and mm-hmm. some of the older stuff um, like Led Zeppelin and things like that and that I was I was into, and he just broke it all down for me, and just showed me how to play it, and then it all just opened up, and then I I just became obsessed from that point and never stopped. Uh, I guess you do this sort of thing, the ten thousand hours things, where I, I just spent my whole free time practicing in my room and got into got into some local bands and things like that, and then and then and then the big thing from there was um uh it was another it was this old lady that um my mum. Cut her hair, and her granddaughter was going to the Brit School, and so she got talking to her about what I was doing because this was before anyone had the internet, so there was no sort of Googling or (laughs) whatever. And so she found out about the Brit School through through this this um, client of hers, and I applied and um, went there age sixteen, and I met I met Dan from the Feeling on my first day, and oh wow, yeah, not know that we started a band, incredible, we started a band on our second day, (laughs) and yeah still working together now. So yeah, so it kind of came a bit later for me. But um, I, yeah, the obsession was really fast.
0: Mm. I love that way of learning to play guitar, because I used to do all the instruments as a kid. And I, I was sort of taught the normal way, you know, starting to learn chords or whatever. But actually, I can kind of understand why he would have taught you that way. Because yeah. it's kind of like, it, I guess it gives you that enthusiasm to be able to say that you could play Nirvana. You know, kind of, you suddenly want to do someone else and then it's...
2: That was it. And also I had, so it wasn't long because he taught me the pentatonic scale and then just showed me how you can just, if, you know, when you're in the key of whatever song, you can just play around with the notes in that scale and every note will work. And so within like two or three months, I was at the school and a friend of mine who was a grade eight guitarist, who's an incredible guitarist, he was playing and I just started improvising and he looked at me and went, how are you doing that? Because he had wow. never been shown that way of playing. He'd only been shown the other way of just reading the dots on the page, which completely works for some people. And actually, I, I'm actually quite jealous now of people who have that skill because I'd like to be able to do that. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of people that I work with and in the music industry on our side of you know people who create albums, a lot of people, um, they play and they play by ear because that's the reactive way to kind of create um, many of them also can sight read music, which is again, I'd love to be able to do that. But actually, the thing that is more more important skill is actually the one of is being able to play by ear because that's the more useful thing being able to pick things up really quickly and just do it in your own way.
0: I think that's one of the greatest talents. I so wish I could do that.
2: I it's think never too late.
0: <laughs> yeah, as, as I sit here at 34, <laughs> and I, just, I can't. I've already tried too many other careers. I so think no. we're just going to stick with this for now. <laughs> Bringing it back to sort of child uh, to your adult years, Sophie, you were sort of, well, you were definitely ingrained in my stereos um, sort of during the early 2000s. And I kind of wanted to like understand how your experience was sort of during those days, again, sort of very primitive internet days, definitely no social media and sort of comparing it to nowadays and sort of, you know, is there a particular era that you prefer? Was the kind of, I guess, the innocence of the early 2000s and just being able to play music and not having to do the whole social media and whatever? Sort of how was how was all of that for you?
1: Um, I don't think it's really something you uh, thought about, particularly in terms of chapters, because everything is about evolution. And if your, if your job involves being creative and keeping curious about the world then it feels like things just keep opening up and shifting and morphing and I'm I feel like everything's kind of come along for me at the time I've sort of needed it but I guess that's the symbiosis of how people create because you're not just doing it in it a vacuum you're you know you're listening to things and watching things and having conversations so I'm it's, really...
2: also, it's hard to remember as well, isn't it? Like it wasn't that long ago that there was no YouTube and no social media. Yeah, and... and
1: there's a lot of it I'm grateful about. I wouldn't. I mean, if I'd been social media around when I started, I would have been cancelled like in like '98. <laughs> 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 It'd be like, uh, that, remember that girl? is a lot of stupid stuff. So I think a
0: lot of people definitely would yeah, be around today. <laughs> Apologising for what I said in '96.
1: Yes. So, um, so no, I'm just quite quite glad really because I got to make lots of mistakes. And try some stuff out and learn.
2: And, and none that, of it is on YouTube. None of it is <laughs> out there.
1: And nowadays, um, I really love being able to communicate so spontaneously with people, whether it be with music or I have a podcast or doing radio. And I I just I enjoy it. I'm a big communicator anyway. So I love all of that stuff. I find it really handy. I take a lot of it with a pinch of salt. Just use what works for me, really. But I think a lot of it's really really helpful I like it I like community as well so yes yeah, but good. I
2: think Sophie made a good point that I'm actually I, f- I, I feel glad that we didn't have it in our teens I think it's really like the idea of growing up a, t- a teenager with oh, all God. of that is, Can you imagine uh, yeah and even like I was talking with Dan about the other day because there's loads of stuff we did in the, and this was only in the mid-noughties with the band which I kind of like, oh, it's a shame because nowadays everything, everything ends up online. Mm. So you can, I can look at anything from the last 10 years that we've done ever on TV or even gigs. Someone's bound to have filmed it or whatever. Mm-hmm. All the mid-naughty stuff, there's like these big things. Like we did a gig at Buckingham Palace for the Royal Family in the Garden and Dominic West came on stage with us who, um, because, this is a stupid, ridiculous story, but I met him in a hot tub at Glastonbury at four in the morning.
0: Okay, wow. Um, Sorry, you can't just drop something like that. First of all, since when was there a hot tub in Glastonbury?
2: Exactly. So, you know when you're kind of having one of those nights where <laughs> oh, yeah. where you're like, right, I'm, you know, we were in... Who we're... gets
1: in a hot tub at Glastonbury? Yeah, I don't... Well, think... I was about to
0: say. I hope yeah. you had a full medical well, check afterwards.
2: Probably yeah, Dominic it. and Richard. But <laughs> so, you know, we'd been to... Um, uh, NYC down low in Block 9 which is one of my favourite club areas and then we, we were in the rabbit hole so the rabbit hole oh, and the God. park stage <laughs> and went through the little rabbit hole into the club and came out the other side into a garden and there was a hot tub and and again I was like it was 4am or 5 I don't remember and so me and my friend Ed got in it and the next person to get in was Dominic West and uh, who I'd I never count. met before but I was like oh Hi, I love, love your work, Matt. I mean, The Wire is one of the greatest TV shows <laughs> yeah. in history. Um, so we got chatting and I, at the time, I think it was like about a month after Glastonbury, we'd be, The Feeling had been booked to play at Buckingham Palace for, I can't remember, I think it was like a, the Jubilee celebrations or something like that. And um, they asked us to do a medley of the greatest parts of British pop music. Which, is, which was really challenging. So, you've got oh. exactly 10 minutes. And so, we're like, how do we, you know, where do we even start? I mean, obviously, we've got the Beatles, and then we want to get in a bit of the kinks, and we want to get a bit in the stones, and so we worked our way through. But in the 90s section, we did, we'd, we'd already talked about doing Park Life by Blur. And so, in the hot tub, I said, Dom, to oh my God, we're playing this thing, and we're doing Park Life by Blur. And how can you do the Phil Daniels part, but in your like cleanest Etonian voice? For the, you know, oh comedy value. And it happened. And he did it. Oh. But you can't see it. But this is my point, is that it doesn't exist anywhere.
1: I think you just made that whole story up. Yeah, so it's <laughs> like, maybe I had a tubs fever in Buckingham Palace? from
2: the hot tub. And this was a dream I had. Listen... It probably happened but there's no listen evidence.
0: if you if you were in the rabbit hole it could have been an illusion i'm <laughs> not sure about it. i wasn't there <laughs> i didn't see
2: any of this <laughs> yeah but you gave but that... um, i remember you gave dominic his suit back when he turned oh that is true so dominic west turned up at our house and sophie was like oh here's your suit so yes. that happened <laughs> Whether the Buckingham Palace (laughs) bit happened, who knows? Who
0: knows? We will never know. And that's the beauty of it not being online, eh? (laughs) So tell me, what year did you guys meet?
2: 2002, was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Because what I didn't realise was that you were playing bass on some of Sophie's sort of early albums. So. Where so uh, so? What was the? How did you guys meet first and foremost? We actually met in a rehearsal room. Richard was in my first.
2: Well, I was auditioning. Yeah,
0: you're auditioning.
2: So yeah, uh, I... he was in my
1: first ever touring band. So Richard did right. my first solo tour with me. Right. And yeah, we met when I was in the rehearsal room. Um, seeing. The musicians you'd got down to like the last couple. It was
2: like X Factor. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Gosh!
2: So we had yeah we me and me and um, it wasn't like it was X actually Factor. Paul, uh, the drummer from The Feeling, and myself. We while we were trying to get the band going, we all worked as well. We did lots of like wedding gigs and bar played in bars and covers gigs, and we did a whole season in the French Alps, which was awesome. Um, and then uh, yeah, I got a call from a, a manager who'd been working with. Um, a the first band that Dan and me had saying that Sophie's team were looking for a new band and do you want to go and audition? So Paul and me went along together and we went and did, I think it was a, we did one audition on the Wednesday and then we got called back in. And then, because I think they, they looked at a lot of people, but they wanted obviously to whittle it down. So Sophie would only have to be given like, two or three choices of suitor. <laughs> <Souter. laughs>
0: well, I was going to say, I feel like you were literally auditioned to become her actual romantic partner as well. Yeah. Well, that we didn't know
1: that at the time we were both, we were both in relationships. Like we just, you know, we, we did the first tour very much. No. As, you know, Although that
2: being said behind you, it, you can't quite see it in the shot, but there, there's a neon sign mm-hmm. in the studio that says the first thing that Sophie ever said to mm-hmm. me, which was nice amp. <laughs> Tragic. because well i remember <laughs> i remember it. i remember i was playing probably murder on the dance floor uh in the audition and sophie was sort of sat on the sofa with her someone from her management team and sort of was whispering to her and saying stuff and i think she caught my eye and was like realized i'd seen that she was clearly saying something about me and so uh, so this. that's what it felt like so when we finished the song sophie immediately went i was just saying to her nice nice amp nice amp <laughs> Yeah, and all
0: right, Sophie, I, I know that one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> She's never commented on any other amp since, as no. far as I'm oh, aware.
0: Oh, there you go. So I guess, you know, I want, I'm always interested when I speak to uh, musicians and artists, what touring is like because I know that it can be such a massive sort of upheaval of normal day to day life so what's the vibe like when you guys are on tour and I guess sort of linking it back to the food how it affects your eating patterns because I can imagine there is like a massive change there in terms of like the timings that you eat and sort of explain that to me
1: yeah, I mean the main thing about touring is that we both love it, <laughs> um, and for for me, it always feels a little bit like time travel because there's a sort of mood, you know, like a mode you get into on on tour. Like a bu-
2: it's like a bubble, like you know?
1: joins up with all the other times you've been on tour, and it's for me, it's always had quite positive associations. And happily, we get to tour together, um, and so we often take our time with the day. So you wake up as late as you feel like, which is just. Flipping glorious, and then we'll look for somewhere to go and eat. And so we have some sort of brunch, brunch, lunch. Don't oh, we?
2: Every, yeah. I mean, it's it has really evolved over the years oh, God, because yeah. it, actually the first tour that we did together, we were like literally like kids in a sweet shop in every sense. We were twenty two, and I'd never done a proper tour like that on a proper tour bus and all those things. So we went mad on the Haribo and. <laughs> We just be, stop at services and be like, "Yeah, we can sweet sweets and anything and and we you had catering alcohol as well, yeah, sure of course, you. Just, but you had catering on sweets. that tour. So you you know we had you can tour with um which we have done a number of times with caterers, and that is so indulgent because there's yeah. some really really good touring catering companies, oh, yeah. and then they go you go in and there's just a big spread for breakfast, oh. lunch, and supper, and normally they'll kind of pretty much tailor it call, pretty much according to the kind of thing you like um Fabulous. but there's it i know but we put on some serious pounds no. well i did i don't know about you, but um on that the first first tour i remember at the end of it, i was like this this is not good <laughs> well so, i think so i won't continue this anymore <laughs> no. and also when
1: you're going sometimes and when you're working you get that thing of I better eat while it's there because you don't always know when the next meal will be like if you're traveling a lot not when you haven't got catering, I mean, and I think that can be a way that you end up eating a lot too, and you, or you graze. But I think we've got better at that. And that's actually. what I'm
2: saying. We've kind of learned over yeah. the years better ways to do it. Yeah. And now, now, as Sophie said in the like the last tour we did, we just treat the, the the meal times like a really special part of each day, and we love. I mean, it's it's funny when I when we were in our 20s, I used to feel really bad if I if I go out of bed late because I'd feel like you know you've wasted a bit of the day. But now we feel like it's an achievement. Mm. When you actually get up, so we'd be on tour and wake up at ten thirty and be like, "Yes, this is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing, like catching up."
0: And are you are you bringing some of the kids with you as well? No, not on this one. You have, <laughs> we have though. We have. yeah. the last, no, not the last, the last
2: tour, previous tour. Um, Mickey was only what three months, mm. so when they're that small,
1: yeah, he came with us for the whole yeah. thing.
2: It makes lovely. sense. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then, how do you? Because I'm just so intrigued by these sorts of things. So if you know that you're performing from sort of like 8 p.m., let's say, when would when would you eat before that? Would you wait a couple, oh, yeah. like, eat a couple hours before? Two hours. You're not going to, yeah. Yeah,
2: That's, I like to have a good People, have, people have different uh, thing theories on that, but for for us, it's a two hour. If If you leave it, if you have a two hour gap, it always feels good. But yeah. as soon as it gets into the, like close to an hour, I wouldn't definitely because we've done it learned by making mistakes yeah and one thing i never ever do is have a curry before a gig (laughs) which we did it with the feeling years ago and it we went to this place around the corner from a gig and it also it was all slow and it ran late and then the food only came maybe like half an hour before we were going on oh my god so we just wolfed it down really quick ran back to the venue and then did the gig and it was horrible it was like a belchy disaster. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I can't even imagine. Let's never
0: talk of this again. It's ne- anyway. Let's never talk of this again. <laughs> and and the question that again, I always I that. um question that I always ask uh, artists is what is on your rider?
2: Lego? No it's not what? actually.
0: You have Lego on your We rider?
2: did we did have Lego on our rider for a time because we thought it would be funny. Um but no we, we definitely don't.
1: don't need any more blimmin' Lego. Don't do that again. <laughs> Loads of Lego. Yeah. Uh,
2: um, what do we have? You have well. I have gherkins.
1: Gherkins. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Why? Because I love them. And they're great.
0: <laughs> okay. But do you, are we ta- are we talking like a real proper sort of like more like sour, tangy pickled one, or like a sweet gherkin?
1: Um, I like to see what turns up when I just say gherkins. Okay. I. D- but my favourite are the sweeter ones. Although I did okay. once get given this one that was like jalapeno ones, and they were kind of spicy pickled. They were really good.
2: You like yeah, the, I do the, like sweet,
1: and fi- I'm open to a Cornish Sean. But no the problem. fish and yeah. chip,
2: classic fish and chip, yeah. gherkin is your favorite. Those. But you know, you oh yes, 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 yes. You don't get them very often from a rider.
1: No, but I'm happy with um with smaller ones for day to day use.
2: But that is the one thing, Sophie. No, well, she says no gherkin, no working. Mm-hmm. That's the oh, one I thing. If that's that. not there, there, there's there's always no gig. No gig. No. <laughs> <laughs> <So, laughs> It's not the sham If the champagne or prosecco doesn't turn up, fine. You know, we'll just get on with it. But no gherkin.
1: Yeah, so we also happens. actually talk. She ain't working. <laughs> we also have the ingredients for making things like negronis and um, margaritas and stuff like that because we yeah, like to have yeah a cocktail after the gigs. Yeah,
2: time. I used. I've got into, I'm. I'm uh, I mean, there's a, there's a whole chapter on cocktails in the in the cookbook, but um, yeah, I just sort of got into this thing of going. Why have the same sort of, I mean, you can specify what beer, but it tends to be beer and wine and, you know, they might, there may be a bottle of spirits, vodka, but I was like, actually, let's just tour a bar. So just have, have all the, whatever you need for Negronis, margaritas, old fashions, just whatever the standards. And then we just replenish it. So it's not like we drink, it's not like we're having it every single night, but if one night we're like, oh, it's too fancy a Negroni, will not oh, we can do that? Oh, so good.
0: Yeah. Gosh, I want to be on tour with you guys. It sounds fab. (laughs) I'll just be sitting there with a margarita, a pickle in hand. I'm happy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I mentioned in the intro that you guys started the epic kitchen disco during lockdown. I mean, I was actually weirdly reminiscing about lockdown yesterday, and I still can't quite believe we went through all of that. Yes, but sort of, it's just the most surreal thing ever. but tell me how that came about. <laughs> um, so basically, Richard suggested it
1: um, when we first went into lockdown, and yeah, week one, we were feeling like everybody pretty discombobulated, a little bit freaked out, home with all the kids, a lot of anxiety, stress, tension in the air, um, and also,
2: but also in that sort of, it was just surreal, right? Because it was also yeah, like what is happening? really we were just at home, and and it was yeah. really odd, but. I, I think it's it was an, it was a combination of things because what I'd seen is lots of other creative people and friends of ours posting performances of them singing beautiful songs and things and and so we I was like, well, we could do that, you know Sophie, I could play something guitar and she could sing or whatever, but we just felt like firstly that's not quite us. secondly, there's other people doing that really, really well um and also it's not what we felt like like we didn't mm. feel especially especially people, especially singing like a sad song yeah. so sort of the we already we weren't we were already feeling weird yeah. so it was just that idea of why don't we just do something fun and silly and joyful and us because that you know the kitchen is already like that you know there's yeah. there's a disco light smoke machine mirror ball so it literally just turned it all on
1: and also the tunes they came to us really easily whether it would be you know covers to do or my old songs or whatever, just it all made a lot more sense to us to head towards the jolly and the fun and the silly and a bit daft because everywhere around us didn't feel like that. So you're yeah, having a bit of something where you could have half an hour of just dressing up and and putting on sequins and all of that. It was really fun. And the kids loved it as well because it was just a a break from the norm. It just it gave us a bit of punctuation in the week. And while we were dealing with the domestic stuff that was going on in the house it gave us both I think Richard and I a place to go in our heads where we could think about something fun and get prepping so I'd spend all week learning lyrics to new songs and you know choosing the covers and and thinking about what I'd wear and just fun things and it was like yeah I, my, that was a very welcome relief thank you very much and finding the community of people that came around was just extraordinary I felt such warmth and I felt that so much affection for the people that were coming over. It was really significant for both of us and yeah. a really good tonic.
2: Because the first one we did, it was literally, I think we decided to do it on the day before and then didn't mm. really plan it. It just went, and that one, I just literally went on Sophie's Instagram live on my iPhone and she just sang in the room and it was complete chaos. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of it, you said, wouldn't you say like, I think that might be the end of my career. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What are we doing? But but we immediately had just this like so said this incredibly um warm response, but also these me- messages from people all over the world. Some people on their own who were just just saying like you know they just accidentally saw this thing and they just said like look, I've been feeling really down the last few days, and that really cheered me up. I just put so you know and we're like wow, so and us too, and so it kind of then grew over the coming weeks to the point where Sophie was went on news to talk about it mm-hmm. and various other things and we we were we were told by um, our friend Chris Salmon who was helping us with all the online stuff um, that he calculated that the reach by the end of 10 weeks was about over 30 35 million something wow, like that
0: wow that's insane yeah
2: and 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 the numbers of like actual live viewers on Instagram live like got onto Instagram's radar because even people with like 100 like you know 50 million followers rarely get more than a couple of thousand people yeah. watching their lives and yeah. we were getting up to sort of 11 12,000 like plus um so it's, yeah, it was really, it's insane, really insane, but we were still in our house. I'm <laughs> still still not still anyone. No, and this anyone. is
0: why, like when, when we sort of like talk about it and I don't want to dwell too much on sort of the whole COVID thing, because we, we, we know how we all felt and what we've kind of gone through. And, it, and, it, you know, I know how much of a horrendously tough time it's been for everybody in different ways, but I remember watching it and I remember watching some other musicians doing a few other things and honestly, I, it was as if I was, like, lying in my bed watching you guys sort of put on this, like, party. And it is still just so surreal to think that that was what was going on. But also the beauty in creativity that had I'd spoken to you that you this is what you were going to do, yeah, if you'd spoken about this like, in no 2018 way. or something, you would have been like, what? <laughs> yeah. You know, and also the fact that you guys found something to like each week you were saying you know you were kind of like learning lyrics it gave you that purpose at a Mm. time where when you're used to running around at a hundred miles an hour every single day you know whether it was that you were just learning another song that was what your focus was and kind of got you through you know that
1: day I think also like lots of people I felt like there was a lot of noise in in our heads yeah like the house and what needed to happen there and keeping the kids all feeling good about stuff and I didn't. I felt like there was still a lot of thoughts, a lot to deal with. The days were busy. I felt exhausted at the end of every day. So much to do, um, just the sort of general upkeep and you know, school stuff and all of that. So it's just lovely to have an, another gear to go yeah. to. Plus,
2: mm-hmm. we, you know, we're used to doing gigs, and that was another element that I think was important about it for us, but also made it really work was the fact that it was genuinely live. It mm-hmm. was gen- genuinely was like a, a window into our kitchen for half an hour <laughs> there was no because because a lot of a lot of li- a lot of lives that went out uh you know some really big ones were all pre-recorded and they kind of yeah. put put they put in little words chatting to each other to kind yeah. of pretend that they were doing it together but mm. you could sort of tell that it had been overdubbed <laughs> yeah um <clears throat> and the fact that yeah at, that was there, was there was there was that element of like a real concert where it, you know it's just us in our kitchen with kids if one of our kids pulled the cable out of the microphone that just would have been what happened you know there's not you know there was always like yeah. right on the edge
1: it's definitely quite, i would get nervous before yeah but that i think <laughs> that gave
2: it like the energy oh for, completely sort of like connected. oh yeah um and it was just purely unintentional because that's just literally what was happening it was mm. just us and five kids yeah yeah but the tour we just did so it was was quite cathartic because we toured um we built a set of of that part of the kitchen and then did you know did a did a really fun sort of joyful uplifting set of songs and had a wheel of fortune to choose some of the covers and stuff but we there there was one message from uh we had a lot of messages, but a lot a lot of the audiences were people that obviously had watched the live streams and then came to the concert I and mean, had one message from this uh this lady who was said she'd come along with seven friends and they'd all. They were all in different places during lockdown, but every Friday night they'd watch the kitchen discos together and then they'd have a cocktail and FaceTime each other while it was on. That became just something they did. So, that of course, we have to come to the concert together. So they all came to the concert together and they said as soon as the kabuki dropped at the beginning of the show, they all burst into tears.
0: Oh, I'm getting emotional thinking about
2: it. Because it just occurred to them, like, what? had brought them to this yeah this place. But this
0: is what I'm saying. Like thinking back to that time, it really makes me feel very emotional.
1: Yeah, me too. I had the same it conversation last really day when I was thinking about the bit we on Thursdays where we clap. Yeah. And I was thinking yeah. about the kids going out with their little saucepans and the wooden yeah. spoons. And it made me feel really <laughs>
0: weepy No, I know. I'm getting really it's too thinking about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Back Mm. to a little bit of joy which is this wonderful cookbook that we've been talking about love food and family so I mean there's no point in me asking you know what inspired it we kind of know what inspired it but sort of this is obviously like just all of your love and energy and all of your beautiful cooking such as lobster casseroles um, sort of like put into this book so tell me about the process of of writing it and sort of why you even decided to do it in the first place well actually the original
1: um, time we we had first had a conversation about doing cookbook was actually back in 2017 oh
2: wow Um, Mm.
1: when we had just had our we'd had our fourth baby and we were making my sixth album and um, while we were in the studio I was cooking supper for the band every night and um it just felt very homely and Richard and I have always loved cooking for people it's a big part of our, our lives anyway so Richard and I started talking about oh wouldn't it be lovely to do a cookbook but we thought you know, we don't just want it to be us we want it to be a family cookbook so recipes from my mum there's my sisters in there our old nanny Claire Richard's dad Like we wanted to pull, pull it all together so we started writing ideas about it then um, and nobody was very interested in their cookbook <laughs> from us then which is fine Um, But then after the kitchen discos, we were approached by Octopus about doing one, and we were like, yes, we're kind of... We already have an idea. And they were brilliantly receptive and supportive. So it kind of just fell out of us a little bit because it's so entwined.
2: Yeah, I mean, it kind of writes itself, doesn't it, in terms Mm. of, like, the kitchen disco thing. But as Sophie said, uh, it's something we kind of always wanted to do. So Mm. we sort of jumped at the chance of getting to do it. And the process was so fun. I mean, honestly because it just meant we went through all of the stuff that we loved to cook and all the kind of, you know, backstories of that. And then we worked with their team to kind of develop those into recipes. And actually I learned how to improve a lot of the recipes because that's what happens. It's, it, it actually was very um, but closer to making an album than I realized it would be. Because obviously if you if you sign to, you know, record deal to make a, a record yourself, they're not, it's not just going to be you doing every single job. You'll have producers and engineers mm. and mix engineers and mastering and artwork and all of those things. And it was a similar process. You know, they had the sort of visual side, but then on on the recipe side, obviously there are people that do that for a living. So we got to um, really enjoy sort of breaking down the things that we cook and mm. then learning a bit more about them and and in in some cases improving them. Yeah, that's so true. So it's yeah, it was, it was super. It was was a lot of work. It was. But I enjoyed it. um, I think
1: it was really important to both of us that it feel completely something we could stand by and talk about and enthuse about with it feeling like it comes straight from our kitchen. Yeah. And, you know, just in the last month, we've had several big, we've had loads of birthdays in April. So we've had several times in the last month where we've had, you know. 20 plus people over and we do all the cooking for all our friends and we've done barbecues and we've done big pork Mexican feasts and we've done
2: um Easter Sunday lamb lamb barbecue
1: yeah and birthday things and and it's just been really all of the that it it, it is literally how we live and how we how we show people we care as well
0: as by chucking down huge amounts of
1: food and then eating it together
0: (laughs) and can you pinpoint a couple of your favorite recipes in the book
2: oh yeah um I mean one of the first one that came into my head was spaghetti vongole because oh, yeah. it's just one of the most sort of like comforting, but indulgent and really quite simple things to cook um, that we really enjoy making. And, you know, part of part of what we've tried to get in there as well is the sort of way that we cook having five kids, because often and that's why if we have like ten, there's 10 people here or 15 people here, it doesn't make a great deal of difference because there's already mm-hmm. seven. So when you're already cooking for seven people, (laughs) adding on four or five is not that. So we're already sort of cooking that way. And so when I make spaghetti vangole for us, most of the kids wouldn't eat the clams. But so I just Mm. do like we just do a very simple pomodoro next to it and then just chuck the spaghetti into that and then do the clams ourselves. Uh, And the same with a lot of things like if we're making curries or um, anything which we'd like a little bit of spice. I'll make, I'll I'll basically, we'll do it with no spice because I find that the middle ground's the worst. Like if you put a little bit in, it's not enough for me, but the kids still are like, what? I can't eat this. Yeah. So we do, it, you know, very kind of like sort of almost bland for them and then, and then do like spicy stirrings. So we've done a couple of pages on that of different, for different cuisines. Mm -hmm. And then you can just go as hot as you like. So kind of finding ways to adapt meals for everyone. Yeah. What else? What was your favourite? just comes into your head?
1: I was thinking as well, it's not that you make it bland for the kids, it's mild for the kids. Because I think there's always loads right. of flavour in there. Bland from my
2: point of view. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah,
1: like Papa Hot I'm, Spice now.
2: Papa Black Coffee, <laughs> neat ne- <laughs> whis- ne- whiskey. I've literally got a drawer it. full of hot sauces.
0: Yeah. Oh, so do I. I love I'm it. Like, I like, I'm like the hot, I have a hot sauce for every type of cuisine. Me
2: too. And I oh, love nice. hot sauce. And I, I mean, I pick them up when we tour. Yeah. That's so it's a thing, like whatever country I'm in, I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah. what's the hot sauce here? Because you know, it's sort of, it's going to work with whatever is the cuisine there, mm-hmm. but then it's always going to work on scrambled eggs, whatever it is.
0: Always. Yeah. What is it about eggs? So versatile for every hot sauce. I yeah. love it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so we've got our, we put our own, I mean, you know, we, I collect them, but we've put our own ones in there that you yeah. can make quite Oh, simply.
0: nice. Yeah. Great.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. And you sort of just touched on it, but I don't have children yet. Um, And one of the things that terrifies me, obviously, you know, being such a massive food lover and, you know, I I love cooking, is having to deal with everyone's different (laughs) requirements. Mm. I mean, you, as you just said, you're cooking for seven people. Like for me to cook for seven people, that for me is like a dinner party. That's you on like a daily basis. (laughs) So how are you accommodating for everyone? Are you sort of like, because my mum when I was growing up was very sort of old school and she's like, if you don't eat your dinner, you don't get your dessert. And that's that, like, I'm not going to be making five different variations of every meal just because you've decided you don't eat meat today or whatever it is. So sort of how what's your patience level with that?
1: <laughs> um, I'm a little, yeah, I think we've had to be a bit like your mum with all that because we're not running a cafe. So no. Like, here's your menu, what do you want? Yeah. You know, and But at the same time, I think actually Richard is better at cooking the meal for everybody and then listening to when the kids say, I'm not so sure about this, and actually saying like, what did you like? What did you not like? For me, when I've cooked for them, especially if I've spent time on the meal, that's like love on a plate. And when they reject <laughs> it, it's like they're rejecting their mother's yes. love.
2: <laughs> so I deal
1: with it much, much worse than Richard.
2: Well, I think I just kind of... <laughs> I what I figure is because also one of our kids is vegetarian of his own choice, so that adds mm-hmm. that that layer in. But I, I sort of now I know what they eat. I mean, there's strange quirks like the same this same child Ray. He doesn't like potatoes, which is I find okay really bizarre. I mean, he'll eat chips and crisps because you know he's not insane. Yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> Well, I don't really like. Works. I don't.
0: I don't. I was. It's funny you say that. So I was talking to someone yesterday. I don't eat mashed potato.
2: I get that. I get that. He won't eat roast potato.
0: Okay, I because don't understand like, that. Basically no, no, no that's, like, un- a, that's actually quite unacceptable. Yeah, it's actually, like, and I'm uh, like, potato. it's
2: basically a giant chip. It's not yeah. that you know. It's kind of or what,
1: little buttered new potatoes or anything. Yeah, he won't eat any of that stuff. Yeah, so high.
2: there's sort of quirks like that. So when I when I like dish up a plate, I'm kind of like, well, he has to have something. So I kind of adapt. So I'll give him a bit more bread and some hummus and some yeah, carrots. Okay. So I was sort of like, because you can't, there were, there were yeah. very few meals that will please absolutely everyone, yeah. everyone. So we kind of, we learned how to adapt for each kid. But there's, there's what, the, the one thing though, that like it is in the book as well is when we do um, Japanese sort of sushi stuff, they, all... they wolf it down.
0: They can eat sort of yeah. bottomless piss from that. It's, it's really interesting. It's fascinating. I actually
1: think overall they eat much more varied than I. I think I was a lot more of a fussy eater as a kid than they are. I think they're pretty good. actually. Well,
2: I didn't have, I don't think I had sushi till I was about 19. But not even <laughs> but, just that,
1: like with, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with how, you know, they try a lot more variety and they eat a lot more variety. I think I yeah. was actually quite boring as a child with what I ate.
2: Yeah. But I think, you know, with it, with that in mind, one of the things, because we love Japanese food in general, but mm. one of the things that we find, which, you know, there probably are a lot of families is now, but when I realized that making sushi rice and sushi rice seasoning, you don't even have to make it. There's some really good brands yeah, and it's really simple. And then we make like a chiriashi bowl, which is again, really simple. We put whatever you like on top. Um, but if I make maki with the kids and it's it's fascinating to me because it's fun and but ultimately, if I gave them a bowl of rice with some fish on top, they wouldn't even touch it. But if you wrap it up in a little bit of seaweed, mm. they wolf it down. Like, I literally can't make enough. The same oh ingredients. Oh, my God, Richard, guys,
0: it. I really want to be your child. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Come and make because
0: mac- I don't know if it's a generational thing, but I definitely didn't get sushi at home. I, I mean, I, it wasn't really the thing in, like, the no, early 90s either. or whatever, was it? Yeah. So out of the two of you, who's the better cook? It's Richard for no. sure. Really?
1: Yeah, I think Richard's a more natural cook. I really love cooking and I'm not freaked out by it. And I feel quite confident and capable
2: like, by making myself that, by something to eat.
1: But I think Richard is a more instinctive, natural cook. I, I think that's I don't okay. Agree. To be honest, it's win win for me, isn't it? If I, I say think, that you do but, more of it and I eat more of it. We actually fine.
2: have this sort of, <laughs> I think, quite unusual dynamic where. Because we often cook big meals, like yeah. big roast dinners, or like recently for our, our birthday, we had a big Mexican feast, which is, we've got a whole chapter on that in the book, because we love Mexico. We love Mexico. Been there a few times. Oh, and love one the, of
0: my favourite places.
2: Vibrancy and the mm. food is so good. And tequila. I mean, come on, margaritas. Oh,
0: hello. Just, yeah. It's just
2: party in color and colour <laughs> and everything, isn't it? And so that's our go-to. And hot sauce. And hot, Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I know there's so much about it but that's our, always our go-to party feast mm. um big kind and always do a big sort of carnitas style pulled pork mm-hmm. um sometimes do fish tacos as well but and then just a big spread of uh street corn we did which is in the book which is yeah, like guacamole, sweet corn guacamole, salsa, salsas, slaw, all that stuff yeah slaw and but the way we have this way when we're f- making feasts or, or roasts where we just divide and conquer in quite a natural way it's true actually so sophie you made the street you made all the salads and then i did all the sort of meat i mean it actually sounds Mm. quite cliched and i've never thought about it but i always do the meat and sophie does the salads which is but maybe uh, you're um, just
0: working to working to what you're better at you know i think there is a bit because i
1: i'm rich is better at dealing with Direct heat. So you like doing like the we've B- got barbecuing
2: a and barbecue yeah. and
1: the outdoor. What's that thing called? Because Gros- anything. Um, but with me, I love making salads and vegetable sides and all that stuff because I get really excited about all that. So and also I like the yeah, I, like I think you're prepping bet- stuff. I
2: actually think you're better at that. So that's. I don't think I am a better cook. I think we just have different ways. Yeah, different things we do. But it's
1: true. And I like doing all that before anyone arrives as well. Everything those mm. all those things will be done. They'll be on the side. I won't have very much to do when people are here. And then I can be doing other stuff while you're doing the final bits.
2: Yeah, like, and that's just like been, sorting
0: out cocktails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: and that's just been the kind of the we dynamic. We do Christmas and everything, isn't and it? And we haven't really, we, we never, never even really it. spoke about that's what we should do. It's just sort of happened. Yeah, and true. I spoke, I was talking to someone about this the other day, and they were saying that there's no way they could cook with their wife. They just end up arguing. I would,
0: n- I would never cook with my husband.
2: Yeah, really? and more, more I people just... say that.
0: More arguments would probably, I think, happen in my kitchen with him than they do outside of of that room.
1: I but then when it. we cook together, we're not cooking together together. We're creating a, f- a meal yeah. together. But when we actually stand side by side. Oh, yeah,
2: you hate that, don't you? Chopping. I I feel- yeah, I don't know. So if we're especially. cooking a, like a lot of these feast recipes in the book, it's I guess it's because we're doing different elements. Yeah. Sure. But, but if we we cook a lot for each other as you know like it's the best thing isn't it when you come back from work if you could just smell oh. something and then there's a plate of food and we do that yes. for each other whenever yeah. whenever we can um whenever it makes sense to do that but if we you know come in if if I come in and Sophie's still preparing and I'm lingering sort of watching what she's oh, doing away. she gets so annoyed
0: I also become but... <laughs> quite territorial as well. Yeah. I, f- I mean, I, I am. My husband has just started to cook a little bit more. It's not that he can't cook, it's just that I became territorial and sort of do obviously see myself as the slightly better cook. But I sort of have now become to a point where I'm like, but why are you going into my kitchen? <laughs> it's like, Hannah, it's our kitchen. I'm like, but I don't want you to touch all my things. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that. But now I let have to just, incu- yeah. I need to, I know, I'll let him touch the things, all right.
2: It's not really that with, with Sophie, it's more, it's she's. it's kind of the thing of like, if I just see something and I'm just, I just get this thing, I'm like, oh, I really want to just put a bit of salt in that. Or, yeah, you know, so annoying. Yeah, or like, Come oh, on, a bit of annoying. paprika, I could just, just, and she can see the look in my eye and you can yeah. tell that I'm.
1: Or he'll start eating the things that are already like like, like, ingredients. Yeah, if there's a
2: bit of chopped pepper and you just want to have start eating
0: it, like leave it alone. That's that's (laughs) for our supper. Like, what are are you doing? (laughs) It's bad manners, man. When Uh. you do find yourself out of the home, where are some of your favourite restaurants to eat at?
2: Oh, Oh. (laughs) lots. There are lots. We love food. Um, Well, we've got a
0: very good little Japanese near us.
2: Yes,
1: called Makoto, where there's a husband and wife set it up, and it's. It's pretty authentic, Um, and that they just do sushi, really, don't they? That's yeah. Of it's to. very
2: similar to places in, you know, in Japan, Tokyo, where we've been, where it's sort of quite brightly lit, and they just do really good sushi, and that's it. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, we yeah we go there a lot, and then there's a there's a Turkish place called Lara, which we love, which we had a birthday party in one year. Yeah. Um,
1: and. To be honest, we're pretty spoilt. There's lots of good stuff around here, isn't there? Quite spoiled. There's a Vietnamese down the road that we really like. Um, yeah, we we kind of can fall out our front door and find ourselves something tasty pretty, mm. pretty quickly.
0: Nice. Okay, I finish my conversations with a few quick fire questions. Are you ready? Yeah. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten?
1: I think it's one of those things they call a hundred-year egg. It's not really a hundred-year egg, but it's in china and they have an egg that has been cooked and then it's sort of cured so that the whole thing turns gray the white goes gray and the bit where the yolk is is now a even darker greeny gray and it's kind of a bit of a like isn't it funny to get tourists to eat this egg i don't i didn't see anyone else eating it it was a kind of let's all see if you can with this i could eat a bit but it's not very Mm. tasty to me okay
2: Hmm. I don't think that's true I think the craziest thing you eat is the paper from cakes
1: <laughs> what
2: which she, which she eats intentionally cupcake paper but that's
1: not like a meal that's just if, I, if someone's it's got a muffin.
2: Sorry, hold, on, now, hold on food, Rewind. Though, is it?
0: no but I don't always swallow it do <laughs> it like chewing gum <laughs> okay so do you do that thing so if you've opened if you've got the wrapper because I do that I sort of scrape my teeth against it to kind of get all the remnants you don't off need to do it. that, that, that? just know? put the whole thing in your mouth you don't need to scrape <laughs> remnants Um, If I'm eating something
1: that's got that waxy, chewy paper on the outside, like chewy sweets. Yeah. Whole thing in with the wrapper on. That's fine.
2: What? (laughs) I know. It's It's
1: nice. (laughs)
0: promise. It makes the flavour last longer. It's
2: waxy and it's paper. I
0: like it. It's not edible. So are you you saying that you would put a starburst in your mouth with the wrapper on? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Good for me. Oh, my work. God, this is the most This is the most revolutionary moment, I think, of my entire life. <laughs> I'm gonna, I need to go out to the newsagent and get one. And then what? You just And then it, just a little bit of thing, you just spit it out and you're done. To be honest with that one, you can swallow that. That's I really fine. don't recommend I say, that. Don't, I... don't swallow that. <laughs> Medically. One, um... <laughs> this is a public service announcement. We are not telling anyone to uh, swallow paper intentionally. I think intentionally. this comes <laughs> from childhood,
1: because when I was a kid, I would chew the feet off my Barbie and Cindy dolls. It's really chewy. And I've got a child that now does the same thing. I think it's like a, a kind of oral thing where
0: you just like the food. Okay. Yeah. Like-
2: so an egg is not the craziest thing that you eat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> okay. I don't know how you're going to beat this one, Richard, but what's the craziest food you've ever well, eaten? Well, I
2: was going to say I, did, I definitely ate the feet off a of stormtrooper when I was <laughs> a, a child. But food-wise, I'd had those ants in Mexico mm-hmm. who had that, which... Um, yeah, wasn't that into it? Okay, it's just kind of. I mean, you know, eating ants. I suppose is it crazy? In it seems More crazy from it. here to eat ants. Oh, you, oh what? Oh, <laughs> you ate ants in, in Twickenham when
1: I was about. She had three. a couple yesterday in the garden. I haven't had them for a while. But when I was three, I remember eating a couple of ants just to see what it was like. Oh. It tastes coppery from memory. That's Gosh, bad. Sophie, I'm seeing you in a whole different <laughs> <night. I know. laughs> We need
0: to call a doctor. <laughs> okay, next question. Richard, you're up first. What's been your most memorable meal?
2: Oh, wow. I mean, that, that's a, I a quick answer for that.
0: It could be even just who you were with or where you were.
2: Other than the lobster casserole, the first meal I cooked for mm-hmm. Sophie. Um, I was just going to say like Christmas dinner. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I could pick any year, but I love cooking Christmas dinner, and I love the whole thing of it of getting everyone over round. Christmas
1: is good, isn't it? Roundhouse?
2: Yeah, we and we do the turkey, the old, the full traditional pigs in blankets and all of that. Mm, oh yeah. So any Christmas dinner.
0: Same for you, Sophie.
1: That is a really hard question. I'm not sure my mind quite works like that about memorable things. Like, I don't think it kind of goes like pop that in the box memorable
2: especially when it's food that's like it's when it's like when people say what's your favorite artist or album mm. I find that's so hard to answer because we love music so much
1: i mean i think a happy food memory is always when we used to go to this place in italy um it's a place i went first as a child with my mom and my stepdad and brother and sister and then we've been over the years as big pop on mass with the big family and just us with you know when we had um less children um and there's a cafe on the beach there where you sit in your swim clothes and the sand between your toes and you're eating amazing delicious fresh pasta and that's that's always a nice memorable lovely thing you got it with a, it all it's all there it all works you're on holiday and it's delicious nice glass of something in your hand as well all good mm-hmm.
0: okay most important question my favorite snack of all time is a packet of crisps what is your favourite flavour of crisps and why? Salt and vinegar. Really? Ooh, okay.
2: Definitely. I just it's I don't know. But Stop. what
0: are we talking here, Richard? Are we talking like a walkers or like a kettle chip? Or is there I a kinda, particular brand? Yeah,
2: I mean I you know, I do go for the kettle chip. I like the kind of kettle chip style. Yeah. The thing so is a slightly we, thicker cut. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day and I was saying how uh, we we were doing one of those sort of hypothetical stupid conversations and I'll, I'll put it to you if you could right either either have one of these crisps or chocolate and you could eat as much as you like and it would do nothing bad to your health like unlimited amount what would you pick crisps or chocolate crisps
0: yeah
2: definitely crisps
0: without a, yeah without a sh- like it's not even uh, a conversation like
2: now I, I could eat like the unlimited amount of crisps <laughs> and the only reason i don't is because you know you can't yeah. shouldn't do that yeah yeah I mean, uh,
0: I have been known to go a little bit extreme on possibly like a hangover day or something, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But if you had, (laughs) if you could just remove that, I'd just, I'd eat them forever.
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) But so
2: yeah, salt and vinegar is just the combination of acid and salt. It just, yeah, it just does it for me. And you know, the other spicy things, I love a truffle crisp, blah, 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 but you know, ultimately if I had one, salt and vinegar.
1: Okay. Um... My mind went to, I mean, I love Worcester sauce, actually. Wow. Okay. Well, that's like quite a normal (laughs) one. You know, the purple packet.
2: (laughs) It's Of all the crisp flavours.
1: I like that. I love love prawn cocktail. But I think. Okay,
0: you can't, like, I have a really big problem with prawn cocktail. Really? Okay. Yeah, I know. In the
1: multi-pack, I'll take those.
0: Fine. Because it's not actually a flavour. I've had this conversation with so many people. It's Mm. like, it's just actually not. I just don't get it. I'll take, I like Worcestershire sauce actually. That's a great one, not But I think
1: sometimes, before. you know, you know, it's like strawberry flavor. It doesn't really taste with strawberry. It's its own yeah, thing in
2: its own space.
0: Yeah. And that's
1: okay.
2: But I, I think you got one answer. What's it? The lot. I think oh, it right. should be... I was building,
1: like, you talked no. a lot about bloody acid and the salt and truffle crisps and then you went, oh, hypothetical. So I think I'm allowed to muse as well. Okay. It's the quick This is why we don't do interviews
2: together. And. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: I was gonna say I love prawn cocktail, I love Worcester, Worcester, but I love actually um flaming hot monster munch was gonna be my, my all-time <gasps> oh, fave.
0: Ooh, so. yes, you redeemed yourself big time there, because my favourite flavour of all time is pickled onion monster munch. They're good too. They are really which good. Which are just the best Aren't they thing great? that ever happened. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. I could I could seriously do damage with those. I quite <laughs> like some right now. Yeah. <laughs> same. Same. <laughs> Okay, what food sums up happiness for you? Fish and chips. Yeah. With all the trim like with with all the
1: condiments. Gherkin. Yeah, ketchup, mayonnaise, vinegar, gherkin.
2: Yes. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. That's actually my well, I think it's both of our death row meal, fish and
0: chips. Is it really? Is there a particular place that you like having fish and chips?
2: There's a local place, Chris's on Turnham Green Terrace, that, which is our, our our local, which is great. I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a bunch of them around London that are really good. But it's just when you, when you get like the properly fresh battered fish, properly cooked oh. fish, when you know when it's done right. Oh, yeah. And it's so indulgent. And, you know, it's happiness. <laughs> we love Absolutely. it.
0: Absolutely. And your final question, live to eat or eat to live? um live to eat
1: yeah for sure yeah, yeah it's it's it goes way beyond functional oh yeah, yeah. it's a long term happy relationship
2: we literally are the kind of people that when we uh, finish a meal and we're already planning the next meal yeah and also there's nothing worth we call it like when you waste your hunger you know oh. when you're hungry and then you have a crap meal and you're just like oh, oh. like why? heartbreaking oh heartbreaking. yeah
0: <laughs> it really is
2: <laughs> that's what it feels like you feel like you know it's every meal can be something that you can kind of enjoy and it's it's like it's like it's a form of self-care isn't it
0: completely completely oh guys thank you so much for joining me best of luck with the book as it continues to sell good luck with everything else with the music and I really hope one day that we can all sit down and enjoy fish and chips and a pickle a gherkin
2: yeah. Thank you
0: so much, guys, and a packet of crisps, obviously. <laughs> not, 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 pra- not prawn cocktail though. <laughs> no. we'll, we'll do them. We'll do monster lunch. No. No. <laughs> Until next time, guys. Bye. 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 Thank you for tuning in. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time, bye.